Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hello, everyone. This is Cam Hirosaki, and I'm here today to treat you to the opening chapter of the much-awaited Summerhill uh, those of you who might have been following along with uh, either my journals or the podcast will know that I've been working on this for close to a year and a half now, and it's still not finished, but uh, I am getting close to what I'm considering a you know a publishable draft, and uh, the book itself should be released uh, probably several months from now at the bare minimum, but it's far enough along that I think that... The opening chapter, as I stand, as it stands now, uh, should be a pretty good teaser for what sort of story this is. And um, now I think that, uh, given the how vague I've been about uh, promoting this story, that actually having you people get a chance to sort of see what the story is about, uh, you know, would would be a little. Uh, it would be nice of me to finally get around to that. So hopefully, this will give you an idea of what you can expect within the next year or so. And um, just so you know, this this actually starts with chapter two. You're going to hear me say that, and that's not a mistake. That's not a speako. Uh, the story does actually start with chapter two. Uh, that is by design. Don't worry, it's not as weird as it sounds. And um, I would also preemptively like to apologize to uh, everyone who lives in New Zealand. Chapter two, Stowaway. The great ballroom echoed with the sounds of thousands of beings speaking almost as many different languages. Despite the lack of shared tongues, however, they had no difficulty whatsoever understanding one another. Conversation flowed, vibrant and animated. Massive chandeliers of crystal and gold hung from the ceilings, and the walls were decorated with expanses of colored drapery hanging between massive ornate frescoes. Light came from glowing tubes, and orbs strewn amidst the chandeliers and also from tall tushiers that appeared to crackle with real flame, but which cast far more illumination than any natural fire did. One wall, in stark contrast to the old-fashioned decor, was comprised entirely of smooth panels that, with a simple touch in the right spot, would turn transparent and offer a splendid view of the unbroken inky blackness outside. Fully stocked bars were spaced evenly throughout the ballroom to ensure that long lines never formed. For those guests too busy dancing or making conversation, staff floated seamlessly through the crowd to provide refreshments. On the main stage, a live orchestra performed, its members playing a variety of instruments so wide and eclectic that no one in attendance could hope to name them all. For some songs, a vocalist provided lyrics that were nothing more than pure and beautiful gibberish. More diverse than the orchestra's instruments were the guests themselves, some were people of flesh and blood, some of circuits and steel. Others existed as beings of energy or gas, some bound into a discernible shape and others not. There were representatives from technological empires that spanned entire galaxies, and individuals plucked from backwater villages, and beings that had roamed solitary through the vastness of space since time immemorial. The one thing that they all had in common was that they had all been handpicked to be guests aboard the great marvel that was the SS Nusquam, the one and only cruise ship that sailed in the gulf between realities, in the very literal middle of nowhere. 
Whether they were chosen because they were influential or wealthy or special or interesting, or because they were just plain lucky, they had all been chosen. All of them, that is, except for Summerhill. Not that anyone could tell by looking that Summerhill wasn't supposed to be there. He didn't look any more or less out of place than anyone else, since everyone on board already came from a mind-boggling sample of different worlds and realities. Because of that happy fact, he'd been able to mingle unfettered without anyone knowing any better. It had taken some work, though, steering conversations to figure out just what the Nusquam was without sounding like a complete idiot. Luckily, one thing that sentient beings had in common, it seemed, was a propensity to want to talk about themselves when given even the slightest incentive to do so, which made it simple for Summerhill to just prompt, listen, and fill in the many missing pieces of what he didn't know about where he was. Summerhill had seen the ship from the outside, and it really did look for all the world like an enormous luxury liner, one that sailed through a gulf of pure nothingness instead of an ocean. One thing that he still wasn't sure of was why a trip through the middle of nowhere was considered such an exciting thing on which to be invited. He just kind of ran with it, though, since everyone else seemed to be so excited to be along for the ride, and it behooved him to fit in for the time being. Summerhill himself was a colorful fellow, at least by the standards he'd been familiar with before coming aboard. He looked much like a dog, a wolf-like dog that was on the small side, or perhaps a coyote-like dog that was on the large side, or maybe something in between. His fur had hues of yellow and red, though in most places those colors blended to form more appropriately canine brown, or cream, or cinnamon, or deep reddish black. The gray of his eyes matched the gray of the sky of the world from which he'd come, which may or may not have been on purpose. He walked on two legs, much like a person, since in addition to being a dog-like creature, he was also very much a person-like creature. He was accustomed to wearing clothes like a person too, though he had to admit that he felt underdressed at this particular party, wearing only a greenish-gray shirt and a pair of brownish-gray shorts, instead of the formal wear everyone else had on. Thus far, however, nobody had been gauche enough to call him out on it. For all his curiosity about everyone else, it took some time before Summerhill finally ended up being called out about who exactly he was. An ankylosauromorphic cyborg was the first to broach the subject aloud. I tell you, it said in its smooth, polished, robotic voice, he's got to be some sort of wolf, just on two legs is all. Oh, please, have you ever seen a wolf? asked the crown prince of the Akashic realm, lines of disapproval appearing on his otherwise smooth, pale blue face. He and Summerhill had met earlier in the evening. The two apparently shared a taste for fizzy beverages. He's far too small, and the colors are all wrong. The cybernetic dinosaur's photoreceptors dimmed. I confess that I have not encountered one directly, but an adequate description of the species exists within my memory module. Summerhill kept his ears perked, following the conversation with keen interest. He'd never been the center of attention like this before, and it was rather exciting. It was kind of fun, too, knowing that he was worth having a playful argument over. A being that looked remarkably like a pinkish cloud of gas, with the self-contained thunderstorm rumbling all through itself, chimed in. No, I saw a wolf here on the Nusquam just this morning. Blue tendrils of electricity crackled over its wispy form as it somehow created the sound of speech. He didn't look anything like this. I think he's very clearly a jackal, the crowd prince of the Akashic realm offered, looking Summerhill over again. 
Perhaps a mongrel of some sort, true, but with the overall body shape and the coloring of the fur, I don't see how— My memory module contains information about jackals as well, the cyborg interrupted. I can say with near-absolute certainty that he is not a jackal. Summerhill hid his smirk behind his cocktail glass as the crown prince of the Akashic Realm rolled his eyes. Well, then you at least acknowledge that your computerized deductive reasoning skills might be flawed, the blue-faced man said. That's a start. The gas creature indicated Summerhill with a gentle burst of static. All right, it said, its pink shade turning to a faint purple, likely representing some shift in demeanor that the canine couldn't understand. Can you settle this for us? With all this attention fixed on him at once, Summerhill lowered his gaze, brought his hand up to his mouth, and cleared his throat with a soft cough. <laughs> I'm not sure there's anything to settle, he said. As far as I know, I'm just Summerhill. Well, yes, the cloud of gas replied. But surely you must know what you are. Other than Summerhill? That is who you are, sure, the crown prince said. We're asking what you are. Oh. Summerhill looked down at himself, a canine form dressed in a plain shirt and shorts. I think it's pretty clear that I'm a dog. The ankylosauromorphic cyborg leaned in closer. What designation do your people have for themselves? Summerhill took another sip from his cocktail glass, and didn't stop until it was empty. Well, where I come from, he started, picking his words very carefully. There's only us, so there isn't any need to call ourselves anything. I mean, as a people or a species or whatever. Technically, that was all true. Fascinating, the cyborg murmured. There is some logic to that. Where do you come from, incidentally? The crown prince of the Akashic Realm asked. Though there was no more alcohol left in his glass, Summerhill brought it to his lips again, slurping at the melting ice in order to buy himself another second or two. He tried to banish the images that came to mind, memories of countless skyscrapers clawing at an endless sky. His pulse raced until he managed to calm himself and return to the moment. That's kind of a long story, he said, which wasn't quite as technically true as his previous half-truth. Let me just refresh my beverage here. Excusing himself with a nod, Summerhill slipped into the crowd. His keen ears picked up the crown prince of the Akashic Realm, saying, I still say that he's some kind of jackal-mutt, as he disappeared from view. He made his way towards the bar, in no real rush now that he'd escaped the conversation. The bartender looked like a seven-foot-tall wooden insect, some type of mantis or phasmid. Summerhill couldn't tell whether he was seeing camouflage, or if the bartender actually was made of wood. Neither possibility seemed more probable than the other at a glance. When the bartender spoke, it did so by clacking its mandibles together, the hollow clunking sound suggesting that the creature was made of wood after all. The noises it made formed some kind of speech, and while the cacophony didn't equate to any form of communication Summerhill was familiar with, the dog understood it anyway. Yes, something fizzy, he told the bartender in reply. I'm open to suggestions. The bartender clacked away again, and nodded with some enthusiasm. Well, I've never had that before, but it sounds lovely, Summerhill said. This was all new to him. Even if he ended up with a drink he didn't like, he'd be richer for the experience. He watched as the gangly wooden insect fetched a bottle from a high shelf, undoing the cork with a satisfying pop before pouring a golden, bubbly liquid into a tall flute. It smelled like flowers and honey, 
the aroma striking Summerhill's nostrils with a marked effervescent flourish. The bartender held it out for Summerhill to take, grasping the delicate glass with remarkable care and balance. With a polite bow, the dog took it and sampled a quick sip before smiling his approval. Summerhill wondered how he'd gotten on for so long without beverages, especially those with bubbles and alcohol in them. He took another longer sip as he waded through the crowd, and soon found himself torn between wanting to savor his drink and wanting to just guzzle it all right then and there. From the look of it, the party wasn't ending any time soon, and so Summerhill decided he could afford to take his time and not rush things. The glowing gas creature from before floated by, electric pulses crackling in the air around its form, but if it took note of Summerhill, it showed no indication. The dog did a quick check to make sure that he had in fact evaded his former conversation partners, and was satisfied when he saw no sign of them waiting around. The conversations this close to the bar were rowdier than the others, with beings needing to speak louder and louder to talk over one another. Most of the guests, Summerhill had noticed, had been outfitted with a small device tucked just inside their ear, or equivalent depending on varying anatomy. Presumably this was what allowed them to all converse with one another despite not sharing a common language. Since he'd sneaked on board and hadn't been invited, Summerhill didn't have one of his own, and so he didn't know for sure if that's what the devices did, but that was his best guess. Distancing himself from the throng, the excited canine tried to find a more laid-back group to involve himself with. He tried to let his nose and ears be his guides, but there was so much going on in the huge ballroom that he felt himself pulled in too many different directions at once. Instead, he just wandered and waited to see what he'd find. After literally bumping into one of the other guests, he decided that wandering at random wasn't the best idea. He murmured an apology, quickly taking stock of the situation to make sure he hadn't spilled his fun new drink all over someone, and was relieved to see that he hadn't. The other guest appeared to do much the same, patting himself down with one free hand while holding a glass off to the side with the other. The flustered fellow looked for all the world like a river otter in a tuxedo. He was fully bipedal, much the way Summerhill was, if shorter and with more slinky and slender proportions. Oh, wow, I'm so sorry, they both said at the same time. The two of them stared back into each other's eyes. There was a moment where Summerhill could tell that they were sizing each other up for their strange similarities. And then they both laughed at the ridiculous coincidence. The otter person's grin was goofy, if still kind of charming, but under the circumstances that was certainly allowable. You all right? Summerhill asked. The otter nodded. Yeah, he said, taking a quick, deep sip from his glasses of trying to preemptively prevent future spillage. Just wasn't paying attention. He looked at his glass as he pulled it away from his lips, then tilted his ears back. Maybe I've had too much to drink. Oh, it was probably my fault, actually, Summerhill said with a dismissive wave. Either way, don't worry about it. But the otter was already slipping away, his thick tail disappearing from view as it brushed past the legs of a robotic spider. His scent lingered in the air for a moment, sharper than all the others, holding Summerhill's attention for several seconds, making him stare dumbly into the distance before he shook it off and went back to his meandering. Taking another sip of his fizzy, sweet golden drink, Summerhill scanned the crowd. If he had some clearer idea of where he was heading, he could better avoid bumping into any more guests. Not far from where he was standing was a tall lizard creature, talking rather animatedly about his planet's sun. The specifics of what he was saying were lost as Summerhill let his mind get carried away by one of his more recent memories, 
the moment when he realized that, despite his own world not having a son, he still carried in his mind a clear notion of what a son was, enough to know it was something his world lacked. The shadows of the titanic skyscrapers of home began to loom over Summerhill's mind, and to banish them the dog swallowed back the second half of his drink in one gulp. Dwelling on the past, on home, was the last thing he wanted to do here. Heck, by rights, the SS Nusquam was the perfect place to escape all that. He wasn't even sure where the ship's destination was, but if it really was just the eternal party it seemed to be, he was already content to stay here for as long as he possibly could. That thought, too, came to a screeching halt with a tap on his shoulder. He turned around to see a young woman. She was about as tall as Summerhill, but had pale, furless skin, with a head topped with curly, shoulder-length blonde hair. The word human went through Summerhill's head, and though the term was unfamiliar to him, he understood that that's what this woman was. She wore the formal black-and-white garb of a hostess, as well as a small crystalline earrings that glistened with the same prismatic effect as the ballroom chandeliers. In her hand, she carried a device that looked like an electronic clipboard. "'Might I have a brief word over here, sir?' she asked. Summerhill followed the hostess, who led him off of the main floor and towards a corridor that led away from the ballroom. Her eyes reflected a sternness and seriousness that Summerhill hadn't encountered since coming on board, but then he also hadn't gotten into trouble with any of the staff until now. He assumed he was in trouble, at least, since it was unlikely that the hostess had dragged him away from the crowd in order to strike up a casual chat. The hostess kept one eye on Summerhill, and the other on her clipboard device as she manipulated it with her fingers. "'Don't worry, sir,' she murmured. "'This should only take a second. I just need to confirm your identity, sir.' She then tapped a fingertip against her temple, and a hitherto invisible monocle appeared over her right eye, the lines of an optical readout faintly visible on the reverse side. It was a foregone conclusion that, if this hostess was in possession of the cruiser's guest list, she'd discover in no time that Summerhill wasn't supposed to be aboard. Making a run for it seemed like a terrible idea, since with the Nusquam's level of technology, it was doubtful he would be able to run very far. He didn't know what punitive measures the crew might take with him, but trying to flee could only exacerbate the degree of his guilt. The scanner isn't picking up your identity, sir, the hostess said. You're not a shapeshifter, are you? Because if you are, I'll have to ask you to revert to the form you had when you were first registered, sir. Summerhill shook his head. No, I just look like this. The woman sighed. Let me try again then, sir. She said, and once more she stared him down through the high-tech monocle. A moment later, she shook her head. No, I'm sorry, but I don't have you in my database. The dog leaned forward and pointed at the electronic clipboard. My name not to be on the guest list, he said. I'm Summerhill. Try looking under S. As if insulted that he was even trying this, the woman arched an eyebrow, then sighed again louder. Mr. Summerhill, she murmured, flicking her finger across the flat screen as she scrolled through the list of names. I'm sorry, sir, but I'm still not finding you. Well, that's strange, Summerhill said. I mean, if I wasn't invited, how else did I get here? A clever gleam appeared in the hostess's eye as the monocle disappeared from view. Excellent question, sir, she said, her voice quieter, but also sharper. Can't tell me. Telling her was absolutely out of the question. 
Not only would it be foolish to admit guilt, she probably wouldn't believe that he'd simply walked into the distance until ending up in the middle of nowhere, even if it was true. You're not accusing me of being a stowaway, surely? Maybe he could buy himself some time and some brilliant idea would come to him in the meantime. Maybe. The hostess tapped one of her earrings, and a small earpiece appeared, in the same manner that the monocle had. Security, she said. This is Catherine. I'm in the ballroom and I... Summerhill felt his heart skip a beat, his eyes going wide and his ears standing on end. The name spelled itself out inside his head, bold letters written on the inside of his eyeballs in brilliant blue. Wait, he blurted. You're Catherine? Catherine was taken aback, her report to security briefly cut off. I'm in the ballroom, she repeated, but before she could finish the statement, Summerhill reached out and grabbed her arm. Hold on, he begged. Please, I need to talk to you. I just need a minute to explain myself. This was Catherine. She was real. For several seconds, Catherine was quiet as she searched Summerhill's eyes. Her business-like demeanor and serious gaze didn't falter at all, but when she spoke again, she said, Security, belay that. I don't scan checks out. False alarm. Her fingers brushed her earring again, and the communication device disappeared. She set both hands on her hips. Right then, she said. You've got one minute before I get back on the line to security, Mr. Summerhill. Make it good. Summerhill took a deep breath and paced back and forth, rubbing his hand-like paws together. Okay, he said. Now bear in mind this is going to sound kind of strange. I'm chief hostess of the Nusquam, Catherine countered. Try me. The dog chuckled. Right, he said. Oh, this was going to sound stupid. So, the gist of it is, I was told that I needed to find you. Catherine raised an eyebrow. Oh, what for? That's the thing, Summerhill said. It depends on whether or not you know the person who sent me. Well, who sent you then? Summerhill looked down at the floor. It's a long story, he said. Or, well, actually, I'm not sure if it's a long story or not. I'm not sure how long a story it is. Mr. Summerhill, Catherine said with an exasperated growl, I really don't have time for this. If there's something else you need to tell me, then just give me the short version so I can figure out what the hell to do with you. There wasn't any better way for Summerhill to say it other than to just say it. Catherine would either believe him or she wouldn't and she could either help him or she couldn't. That made it all pretty simple, really. Okay, here's the thing, he said. I think I sent me. So that uh, is the end of the opening chapter of Summerhill. I um, will hopefully be having uh, a bit more time to put out some more teasers and information for you in uh, the future as I lead up to the book's eventual completion and release. But uh, hopefully that teaser right there gets people interested. And uh, maybe after all of that, you finally understand why uh, this story has been very difficult to wrap my head around and uh, finish after all this time. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, getting this done and uh, sharing some more of it with you all later. Thanks for listening.